Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? Hello. How are you today? I'm this good. Beautiful good. Wednesday morning. I know. And it's been a lot better than what was predicted. There's no wind. There's no <laughs> rain. Um, for those of you listening, I don't know when this is coming out exactly, but we're Next in the week, week where... We're, no, we're typically a week after. Yeah. So this week, there was supposed to be possibly two hurricanes. Seven and, hurricanes. And it looks like we're going hit, to get hit by none of them. So that's this definitely year, a blessing. Uh, I won't say that. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I did see a funny meme, though, like 2020. Like somebody, like, um, it was like a Leonardo DiCaprio, like, at a bar. And mm-hmm. it's like, ordered one Corona and, and two, two hurricanes. hurricanes. <laughs> and means- it was $20.20 yeah. 2020. I was like, yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild year, but... But all the, year all the panic, over predictions. all the panic with none of the, <laughs> none of the results. <laughs> That's 2020 for you in yeah. a nutshell. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> all right, so we're going to start off this morning with our new uh, little game we play called Take It or, or Leave It. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, this is just uh, we're going to quickly get some hot takes from Pastor Chad on random cultural topics. And to be clear... Most of these I've never heard of before. He knows nothing about so them. So I am trying to answer them. And I know little about them. <laughs> off the cuff. Um, so bear with me. And he can take it and discuss it, or he can leave it, and we can either... The only problem with the take it or leave it game, it's not a problem, but it just adds for more suspense, is I'm taking it or leaving it based on whatever title you give, but I may regret taking it. Right, because I've got to explain to you what it is. <laughs> right. So I'm... I'm it's a it's a little bit of a, a crapshoot here. Well, this first one came um, it came up on date night this week. Shazam came up on your date night. Yeah, I give you a little hint, but mm-hmm. the topic is Shazam. Shazam, take it or leave it. I'm gonna leave this one <laughs> <laughs> just because I feel oh, like you awesome. so badly want me to take it, <laughs> and that scares me. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, next topic. <clears throat> Save younger boy. Gosh. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I have to take this one because I didn't take the Shazam one. <laughs> so I have no idea what this one's about. This sounds ridiculous. Go ahead. It's not ridiculous, actually. Well, it is in some sense. So there is a, um, a movement right now. There's a Facebook page for this mm-hmm. young boy. I think he's like five or seven years old. And he's in between um, custody of t- his two parents that are mm-hmm. separated. Mm-hmm. His mother wants him to um, be a girl, and she mm-hmm. claims that he wants to identify as a girl, mm-hmm. and so she's changed his name to Luna. And <laughs> <laughs> this is getting worse and worse. Right. And people in his school uh-huh. call him Luna. That she she like handles the schooling. Well, the dad's like, no, he does. He only wants to be a girl around you. And so mm-hmm. he's saying there's some kind of coercion, manipulation mm-hmm. happening. Whereas the dad's like, no, he wants to be a boy. Like, he mm-hmm. is a boy. And uh, so there's this page called Save Younger Boy. His name's James Younger, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so what do you think about all that? So there's well, this battle in court. I think I think 
one, it's ridiculous that this is a thing in our day and time, honestly. A, a few thoughts. One, I think that we had to go to Scripture and, and God made them both male and female on purpose and God's sovereignty is that he creates us in his image the way that he designs us to be created. And so I don't think that's right to even be having a discussion of changing the gender of this young kid um, on those bases alone. Secondly, I don't think parents should have that kind of power or authority over over this kid's gender either. Yeah. I mean, he's the one that's going to have to live with it the rest of his life. If you know, and and so to have a mom who's like, for whatever reason, going down that road trying to do all that, and, well, maybe like political ideologies that she's yeah, trying right, to serve. Right. I, I have the information that you gave me, so I don't really know why. Oh, we don't know either. Yeah. This is a thing, but <clears throat> I think that's a terrible idea because I mean, let's just I'll say this: I'll give you kind of a contrasting example. Most parents think it's crazy to let a kid who's five or six years old get a tattoo right 100 percent. so we're okay with letting a five or six year old make a decision on changing their entire gender yeah right it's like <laughs> the kid doesn't know that's what the parent is for right to the, teach the kid this kid has no wisdom no like his brain's not even fully developed yet yeah, he doesn't know if he wants to be a boy or a girl right you're supposed to show and him they're that. super impressionable what so, if he wants to be mean to everyone he meets you're gonna let him do that yeah it's it's a <sighs> it's just it is ridiculous on so many other levels but the basis of wisdom that we'll stand on is scripture and god created this boy to be a boy and so we should be embracing that and and helping him grow as a as a man and hopefully a man of God. So, yeah, there's my take. But that's crazy. All right, next topic: NBA best offense. Ooh, that's a good one. Best offense right now. Uh, looking at the last couple playoff games, I've been watching them pretty intently. Um, honestly, you got to give it to the Lakers right now. Really? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have said that three weeks ago um but the way they're playing right now the way lebron and ad are playing like they're they're just lights out scoring and then all the role players are hitting right now and so and they have the best defense as well so it is they're tough i mean get uh, dev's take on this yeah i know he would hate it he would hate it i mean right now my favorite player in the playoffs is luka Doncic. oh yeah i've uh, seen a lot about him and i would and i would have said the mavericks Best offense, except for Porzingis is out, hurt. Luka's got a hurt foot, and they just got beat by 20 last night by the Clippers. And they had Jeez. a hard time. They had a hard time hitting, uh, or 30, actually, I think. Did somebody score, what was it, 130? Somebody put up 130? Yeah, it was the Clippers last night. When they beat the Mavs? Mm-hmm. Holy moly. And, I mean, they – and the Clippers got it. I mean, there's a lot of them that have great offenses. But I would say consistently right now – uh, if you watch game after game, the Lakers are playing pretty lights out right now. Yeah. So I'd, I'd have to give it to them. And anytime you got LeBron James and AD, who are like top five players in the league, and they're both like playing out of their minds, it's it's tough. Well, to it's beat. funny. There was a topic on ESPN today that said nobody's afraid of the Lakers' offense. Yeah. Well, they should be because Portland's <laughs> getting whipped, and Portland has a great offense. That's what I'm trying to say. Is like Portland was playing the best in the bubble for the longest time. Portland has a great offense, and Lakers' defense is shutting that down, and they're scoring. At, I mean, they just they beat them by 20. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the other night, and then I mean they're just rolling over the Portland Trailblazers right yeah. now. Yeah, so that's cool. So I know that you know all the statistics are people, but I test just my opinion. If the Lakers keep playing like they're playing right now, they're probably the champions. Is what I what I'll say. All right, all right. That's a big prediction right there. I mean, it's they, they got a guy who knows how to do it in LeBron James, you know. So all right, well, next topic. We're gonna um, we're gonna stay in the vein of sports, fantasy football. I'll take it. Why not? So, how do you think fantasy football is gonna fare um, with the seasons? Like, COVID's changed up the season. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. aren't going to the games. Like, uh, bigger depends. or or smaller interest in fantasy football? I think a bigger interest because people are starving for sports because it's like, you know, most people's favorite thing to do. Um, so I think the interest is bigger, like fans wanting to play it, mm-hmm. but it'll be harder to predict. It'll be harder to play because unless the NFL figures out a bubble situation, which I don't think they're going to do, if they're doing it more like major league baseball, they're have like, sometimes they'll have to change the schedule around. And sometimes you think this team's playing this week, but you might have to switch it around to a different week to get the games done. And so trying to, put your teams together and know who's going to be able to play. And then if, if you're, if a team, you know, catches COVID, like I think the, the Marlins did. Um, That's baseball, bro. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I'm comparing because their, their plan seems to be a lot on the same lines of how Major League Baseball is handling it. How like, do they handle it? A bubble? There's no fans, but they're still traveling to different cities and playing oh, okay. in the stadium. So when you're traveling, there's more. Whereas NBA is in a bubble, right? Right. So NBA, like they've, the way they've quarantined, they haven't had any outbreaks because once you're in the bubble, you're in it. Yeah. Versus, like, when you're traveling from town to town, even if you're trying to stay distance, like, it's more of a chance that somebody could catch it on your team and then it spreads to your team. Well, what happened is one of the major league teams had that happen. Yeah, everybody everybody was fine, but they had to readjust the schedule and that team couldn't play for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you got your players on that team, and I mean, I think for fantasy football yeah. players, it's going to be a little bit jacked up. That'll if be like interesting. That there needs to be like uh, some kind of bonus. Right. I mean, you think about like if your that. best two players are on, say, Kansas City, you know. No, but if one of your players gets COVID, you got to get points for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but if they get COVID, they automatically, right now, the rule is two week quarantine. Right. So you got two weeks if your player. I think gets they actually it. just changed the uh, quarantine uh, time duration for people exposed to COVID to four days. Mm hmm. But it was like silently announced. Oh, really? Anyways, I want to go there. But right I now. feel like I feel like the like major league teams and stuff are still practicing the two week deal. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So point is, if you have, um, say, uh, Kansas City's quarterback, um, oh, I'm blanking right Mahomes. now, Mahomes, and he gets COVID, and you know, oh yeah, and you know you're you're doing well in your t- in your league because of him. Now you got two weeks. He's gone. Yeah. So it's definitely going to make it crazier, and you know. To play. All right, cool. Well, I'll, I got some more topics. We'll save them for next time. Uh, let's get into our topic of today. You win a lot of sports on us today, huh? Yeah, well, it's been uh, on my mind a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because I know nothing about sports these days. <laughs> it's funny how much I've, like, lost, not really interest, but, like, just um, my that's, knowledge of sports. That's probably a good thing. Like, I, I will say, like, it was a good test of idolatry because mm-hmm. I, I love sports. Yeah. But having them gone and realizing, like, I'm cool, like, yeah, that's fine. What awakened it? Because to me, sports is football. Like, I grew up a huge football fan. And I saw training camps yesterday. Like, just when we were out, we were uh, eating lunch somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I saw them on TV, and I was just like, 
See, I like all three major sports, the the top three, you know, baseball, basketball, NBA, NFL. Soccer, right, yeah. Yeah, no, not soccer. <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with it, just not Girl soccer is the best, man. Um, even though apparently I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team, like I coached with Hudson's soccer team, and now I shouldn't be coaching soccer, <laughs> but somehow I'm on the, I'm on the coaching staff. Run faster! <clears throat> yeah, at that age, it's just like stay, at, don't go out of bounds, <laughs> run, run towards it. You know? Right. But anyway, um, so for me, it was it was a good test of do I care too much about sports because I really enjoy you know following the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of nice, like to realize, hey, while sports was gone, you know, I was fine. I didn't yeah. like, I didn't feel myself fiending for sports or like wishing they would come back. But now that they're back, I do enjoy, yeah. you know, seeing them again. Um, but anyway, it was a good test of is this a bigger idol in my life than it should be? Right. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, so the topic of today is, um, which is going to take some definition up up front out of the gate, mm-hmm. uh, the perils of a seeker sensitive church. <clears throat> So why don't you start by um, kind of what in the it. heck is a seeker-sensitive church? I, don't, I didn't know what that meant a long time ago. Like, well, I'll give it kind of a layman's terms definition, right? Um, it's kind of a method of church. So a lot of evangelical churches have went down this seeker-sensitive road, which essentially just means what it sounds like, that the way that they go about uh, running their services or their church or their or their mission is to try to appeal to those that are not believers in Christ. Try to make it feel more so this comfortable. this is like a methodology of yeah. church planning. Right, and try to make it seem more cool or hip or comfortable or to, to draw in more lost people. It seems like a great idea. It seems like a great idea. You know, the and I think the, um, I think the intentions behind it were not bad, meaning like, hey, we want to, Expose more people to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus, and if we make our services more, more relevant. relevant or appealing, then you know more lost people will come and hear the message of Jesus, and we'll see more people come to know Him. All that good stuff. I think that intention isn't necessarily bad, but there's a lot of pitfalls to that, and under the underlying. Um, belief that is off i'll just say it now and then we can kind of look at how that plays out but for most of those pastors if you really cut them open or ask them down to the core of their belief is that they don't really believe in the sufficiency of god and the scriptures to draw people to god meaning they don't believe that god's big enough good enough attractive enough upon himself to draw people to himself uh, to be saved. And they also don't really usually tend to believe in the fact that God is the one who draws and saves. And, and we really don't have, um, we really don't do anything to make that happen. We are obedient and faithful to, and we are the plan of God to be disciple makers, but God's the one who waters, sows the seeds, opens the eyes, changes the hearts. We're just faithful to follow God in that way. So so the idea of trying to make a service or something better so we can get more and kind of convince them that Jesus is better it seems like a good idea on the surface, but it really uh, goes against some core biblical beliefs of God's sovereignty, God's glory, God's magnitude, 
and that, that our job as pastors is actually just to expose people and explain who God is through the scriptures and so they can see God rightly. Mm-hmm. Like the goal is to help people see God rightly. But saying that, I mean, even our church is still strategic about their sure. methods. And nothing doing. wrong with methods. Nothing wrong with having like good processes or procedures. It's just the intention behind and what you lose when you go down that road of trying to appeal to the lost person uh, primarily. Well, and so if you back up, like what is the role of church? Is it primarily Mm -hmm. for the Christian or the non-Christian? That's a great question. Biblically speaking, it's primarily for the Christian. When we come together as the church to worship, it's believers coming together to worship. The role and the job of the pastor is to equip the saints primarily for the work of the ministry to preach and teach the word of God and help help the believer grow. Doesn't mean we exclude lost people and doesn't mean church isn't for lost people. That's not my point. But the but way primary, that primary <laughs> like something has to have a primary exactly. intention. And that's where it's off. The primary intention of a seeker sensitive is for the lost person to feel um feel comfortable and you're preaching and teaching to the lost person. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas biblically speaking, that's not how it's set up. The church body, the members come together, and the role of church, like Sunday morning worship or whatever we want to say, is for the equipping and the edifying of the believers and growing of the Mm -hmm. believers. And then the believers are the ones to go out into the world of the lost person and be a light, be a witness, and share and and tell them about Jesus. And honestly, their strategies may be seeker-sensitive and that may be good. Like, yeah. so I think we're taught that as disciple makers to go out right. and be relevant, like mm-hmm. meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Don't don't go out just preaching and proclaiming, like do a lot in the way of sowing right. and building relationships. Mm-hmm. And- so here's what a, a seeker sensitive church ends up functionally doing and looking like, right? Um, the messages tend to be topical, topical series sermons, and the topics are designed. And I used to work for one of these churches, so I know the insides of how this goes about. Once again, well intentioned, but just biblically off, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the series of the sermon series were always set up to really preach towards the need of the people that we thought might come. Like you said, the relevance, right? Mm-hmm. So the thought process was, what does a lost person need to hear? And so you're going to talk about things like time management, um, finances, mm. uh, relationships with relationships, your spouse. And um, those are the big ones. Um, I'm trying to think of it. Like you'll do maybe a, a series on the gospel, which is great, you know. Uh, but you would just... It would just constantly be these series trying to... Kind of like self-help. Kind of, yeah. And really the the Sunday morning comes across more like an infomercial trying to convince the lost person of why God is better than the world, mm-hmm. right? Which seems good. But, <clears throat> but then the way that we end up doing that is we end up trying to appeal to the wants and the needs of the lost person. And in doing that, we make it about the man and not about God, mm-hmm. right? It's more about how God's going to help you, how how if you believe in Jesus, how it fixes your life, mm-hmm. how it's about you, about you, about you. And the problem with that is it's not about God, and, and so it diminishes God's glory, and we just end up helping people become self-righteous. 
and self-important. Well, God loves me and wants me, and he wants to meet my needs, and he wants to heal me, and so I'll trade in the world's version of that so I can get God's version of that. Mm-hmm. When the gospel is, no, you deserve wrath, <laughs> you're totally depraved, and God died for that, but it's about his kingdom, it's about his glory, and that grace is that he allows you into his kingdom through his son Jesus, mm-hmm. and there should be humility and grace and and worship of God, not of yourself. So there's like a distinction, like they they are trying to transform someone's, a non-believer's mm-hmm. life through the methods of Christianity and then get that person to see God. Right. Rather than getting someone to see God and then that God mm-hmm. changing who they are. Right. I'll read this um, from a pastor who used to run his church that way. It's on Gospel Coalition and and he's talking about why he left that method and model as he... So is that like a known method and model, like amongst? Yeah, it, it really popular through like seventies, eighties, early nineties. Like, hey, let's basically let's let's try to make like a cool Christianity All in, right. in a way. It's like, yeah, see, it's let lots of people see like it's it's cool to be a Christian, you know? Right. Like, which it is great to be a Christian, but it's because of God's awesomeness, not because of it's like cool a cool thing to be a part of. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, one of his statements, um, let's see, by Paul Carter, he was a, a pastor in Canada and it's t- the article is titled, why I abandoned secret, secret church. His number one, it says, because you get what you fish for. He said, the basic logic of a secret sensitive movement was that we would get people in the door by playing contemporary music, singing contemporary songs, speaking contemporary jargon and addressing contemporary issues. Then at some unspecified point in the future, we would transition into more media and substantial things. Mm-hmm. It was your basic bait and switch operation, as you might imagine. It never really worked out in practice. The bottom line is that what you win people with is what you have to keep people with. Mm-hmm. If you market yourself as a church for people who don't like church, then you can't do churchy things without expecting significant pushback. This is why most seeker-sensitive churches never manage to exit the theological merge lane if you sell them on christianity light then you need to continue to offer christianity light week after week after week the logic of secret church traps you in a spiritual reenactment of waiting for godot i don't know it must be a movie (laughs) he says count me out i'm all for front doors but i'm also all for kitchens hallways and dining rooms eventually you have to get to the meat but in secret churches it was a it was a part of, it seems like we never did. Mm. So he makes a great point there that if you're going to preach on a Sunday morning, which preaching is meant to be expository to show and teach people what the word of God actually says upon God's terms. When you turn it into, let me just give you a lighter version of this. I'll tell you a little bit, but let me, let me couch this in such a way that makes it more attractive, right? Not to hurt your feelings. Well, mm-hmm. let me let me just say, like, the hurt feelings part is essential. Like, you should be broken over your sin. Mm-hmm. You have to preach about sin and hell and the dooms of it in order for grace to matter. But like he says, and if you have the mentality of, like, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get them eased in, and then later we're going to hit them with the hard stuff, you're never going to do that because you're afraid of losing that crowd. The reason why you would switch 
to a seeker sensitive model, if you're really honest, most of the time is to reach more people. And a lot of times it's about building a bigger, better church. Yeah. Well, if you have that in the back of your mind, you've reached a ton of people and you know, well, if we address hell, if we address sin, like in a, in a very honest biblical way, like half these people are going to leave. Right. You're, you're probably not going to You kind of got to have like a cohesive doctrine the whole mm-hmm. time through. Right. And if you start changing that, then they can't trust it anymore. Right. And it's also in, in genuine. Like, think about a bait and switch. Like, I, I kind of liken these types of churches. And once again, I served in one of those kinds and uh, at times, and um, I felt this way. But it, you feel like a used car salesman. Like you're you're trying to you're trying to make something looks like it's different than what it really is, and that comes off as ingenuine. And so, yeah. and the, per, the people or you don't genuinely trust you. believe those things, and then you're just missing out on who God is. Right. And so, for us, you know, when we when we came to plant this church, you know, we we took some hard stances against some of that mentality, not because we were upset at the world or at the secret sensitive but my heart breaks for a lot of these pastors because a lot of people just like us were doing it with good intentions but not realizing how it actually hurt the mission of god like it's not god's mission it's not how he called us to be to be disciples or make disciples Mm -hmm. right and as we studied and learned as we were planting this church we made some hard stances one was we're going to teach the bible and we're going to be okay if people don't come like you have to be okay with losing people or or people not coming, not because you're like I don't want to be okay with that if we're just like terrible at our job or like mean to people. Right. But if they're leaving because the word of God convicts them so much that they don't want to hear it anymore, then I got to be okay with that because mm-hmm. it's got to be about God, not about us building a church, right? And we have to be okay with. Um, with failing. And the other thing that we talked about a lot is if we're faithful to do exactly what God says to do and and we don't exist or last as a church, we got to be okay with that. Um, because it's, if God wants us to be here, we will. If, if his, if his um, plan for us was to come and preach the gospel faithfully and, and, but not actually make it as a church, we got to be okay with that too. And mm-hmm. like God's good. It's fine, right? Now, we had to make sure we were being faithful in that way um, because we always wanted to be genuine, you know, and we'll talk about discipleship and all that stuff in a second, but that was the biggest thing. It was I, Sam and I both, we know our job is just to preach, teach, expose people. That's what expositional preaching is, teaching through the Word of God, exposing people to what it means and helping them see how it matters and is relevant on based on what God is saying mm-hmm. and see the big picture, the biblical theology of God's overall story, right? And um, we believe that that's, that's what we're supposed to do. And so that's what we're going to do. And we want to be genuine. Like, I want to love people well. I want to I make genuine long-term friendships. We've talked about that here, and we'll talk about it more in a second. But I want people to always say, like, um, this is this is genuine and real, no matter what. Yeah. Um, when I have coffee visits, when I follow up and go hang out with coffee to get to know people that are new to our church, I always say, "Listen, if you if you liked and enjoyed 
what you saw on Sunday, you're probably always going to like us because we make it a point, like, we try to be the same. Like, we're just trying to be faithful to what the Word of God says. We're, we're never going to change that. If you didn't like it, if it wasn't didn't meet your preferences or, or whatever, you're probably never going to like us because we're never going to, we're probably never going to do sermon series in, in that kind of topical way. Um, we're, we're probably we're always... Kind of like, uh, we like know, to camp out in a book. For yeah, a we've been years. in Luke for a couple of years. <laughs> but because there's we're so... campers. But there's so much there. Like, you know, if you didn't like people coming up to you, trying to get to know you, all this kind of stuff, like genuine, like you're... Like, if you want to blend in. Like, we're just never going to be that church because our goal is to show you God, help you to worship God, and disciple you. Like, we want to, we want to actually help you grow in your faith. So yeah. we're going to do these kind of things. So if you love it, you're probably really gonna love it, right? If you don't, you're probably not, and that's and and that's okay. Yeah, you know, um, and so because I want it to be genuine, I want people to at least respect like we're we're saying what we mean. Yeah, right. And the the other thing too, I'll add this in on this point, and then we can move on. But it's so funny because the seeker sensitive idea is that if we water it down, if we bait and switch, if we go the contemporary, like try to make all this stuff, that's what's going to draw in lost people. I was one of those really lost people. Um, you know, I was running after the ways of the world. I didn't care about God at all. And when Josh Duncan spent eight months genuinely showing me scriptures and sharing the gospel, that's what changed my heart. And then when I got saved, I was hungry to understand what the bible said mm-hmm. i didn't want some watered down version i want somebody to tell me what it meant right and you see we talked about a couple episodes ago with camp Saturday. It's like you see college students listening to piper listening to these like yeah pastors that the seeker sensitive movement would say you're never going to reach lost people trying to teach the bible like that the opposite's true really truly lost people that are seeking the lord that god's drawing that's exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Listen, when they show up to your church and church is on the sign, they know they're at church. <laughs> they're not, they didn't come to to hang out at a nightclub. They right. they know they're coming to church. Yeah, they expect you to probably tell them what the Bible says. They may not agree, and it should look a little different. It should be different than what the world looks like. Yeah, we're trying to reach people for God with worldly methods. It doesn't make any sense. Right, like. There's two kingdoms in Scripture. There's the kingdom of God, which is what the basis of the gospel is, and there's the kingdom of the world, which Satan rules and reigns, you know, Ephesians 2, um, verses 1 through 3. We see that. And um, why would we, how are we trying to make God look better by by using worldly methods? It doesn't make any sense. We use God's methods, you know. Well, I can to speak to the opposite of that where... When I got to a place in my life where I really, to be honest, wasn't interested in God anymore, but was interested in looking like I fit in with the Christian um, culture, subculture, then I wanted a church that was more watered down because it was easy, Mm -hmm. it was enjoyable, it was entertaining, and it was an easy check in the box. If I'm going to check the box of religion, I'm not going to do it in a hard, like, God-focused place that talks about sin and hell and picking up your cross like i don't want that if i'm just checking the box but i would love to sit in 
a funny, charismatic preacher that's mm-hmm. teaching. It's like stuff I can apply to my life without ever really loving God. Right. And so I found myself drawn to that, the mm-hmm. seeker church, because it's like, this is easy. Right. But I was never after God. But it's super dangerous because you can you can think that you're you're good with God and, and not. And that passage in Matthew where Jesus says, you know, many are going to prophesy my name or, or and do all these things in my name, and I'm going to say, I never knew you. Yeah. Like, that should be the most terrifying verse in all of Scripture, that I want to know God based on what God told me that I need so I can, to know him so that I can be sure that I know him. Mm-hmm. I don't want to—we don't we, we're, we should never be giving people a different or easier way to know God because it gives them a false sense— of salvation and and we're as shepherds as pastors we're held accountable for that like that's dangerous yeah i would rather less people know god quote unquote but actually know god and and the ones who don't know that they don't and know how they can and let god draw them to himself like on his terms. Yeah. Because we want genuine salvation. Like, it doesn't do anyone any good to think that you're in the kingdom of God and, and not be. Mm-hmm. Right? doesn't do any good to pretend in that way. It's dangerous. I'll tell you where the seeker sense of church is not prospering is mm-hmm. in places where Christianity is persecuted. Right. Because why would someone, like, they're not taught that suffering is a way of the Christian life. Right. And so why would someone go into a church like that when they're mm-hmm. going to be persecuted, when they want right. a better life. Right. Whereas the churches that are that are looking at the Bible, looking at who God really is and following mm-hmm. him for his sake, they're the ones that are probably thriving in adversity and thriving. Under, they always sure. have, like historically, to the right. church. The true church has always thrived in times of persecution. Right. Because you know that this world is not the point and it's, and it's going away. And even if all the the hardships of this world hit you, your your hope is in an eternal perspective with God, and you trust God for His character that He's good, even when even when sin happens or tragedy happens. You know that your only refuge and strength is in God. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, if you have this version of like, hey, following God was supposed to make my life better, and my life's falling apart. Well, God may be actually the one trying to make your life fall apart because you got a ton of idols that you actually trust in. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be the very thing that probably makes you walk away if you don't have a true, genuine faith in the Lord. Yeah. Right? You're absolutely right. And I'll tell you, my experience with the field church has been quite the opposite. of Sam and I were told pretty much every way that we've went about trying to... um, trying to lead this church was not going to work. Like about people that were like <laughs> that, kind of consulting you along the way? Yeah. and Because in in we're four years old at this point. Right. So when and y'all kinda, are setting out. Mm-hmm. And kind of in that seeker-sensitive mentality or whatever. And it's all the same stuff. Like you can't teach you can't teach hour-long sermons. Right. You can't you can't teach through a book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. You can't um, write your own songs from Scripture and sing Scripture. You know, you got to you got to sing what's on Caleb and, you know, or more contemporary, you know. Mm-hmm. By the way, I think our music is better than that even when it comes to stylistically. Because mm-hmm. that's the other side well, of the Well, I didn't is. think that at first. I didn't think it was bad at all. Mm-hmm. But now, like, I'm like, there's no other artist. Like, when I'm looking for right. Christian music to sing, it's harder now to find because, like, right. 
our mm-hmm. our church's worship has defined mm-hmm. what worship music is to me. Right. Um, and so we had all these things of like, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, you know. And we've seen the opposite. We've seen people grow deep in their faith. We've seen truly lost people come to know the Lord and truly change. Um, we've seen people come to know the Lord in our just in our services, not doing any altar calls, not doing any emotional, let's share the gospel and get people fired up. But just come to us like a couple of weeks later and be like, man, I was just sitting in service and my eyes were just opened and, and, you know, we talk it through and people are genuinely say, you know, it's like, yeah, it's been awesome. And, um, and we're serving in a context that is hedonistic and not like Christian. It's uh, any religious religion here is either Catholicism or like word of faith style stuff usually. Um, so, um, so people would say it's really, would be really hard here, especially to, yeah, if they want God, they're going to go to some of these popular churches. Right. And we've just seen the opposite. God's just been so good. And we just trust that he's going to be the one that shapes our church and not us. Right. And we just try to be faithful. Now, with that being said, you asked earlier, like, is there anything wrong with methods? No, but the heart has to start with faithfulness to the Lord and making it truly right in what God said to do. Then you can, we can do things. God's a creative God. He's made us creative. You can do things creatively. You don't have to be like boring and staunch or like sad or, you know, you can, you can have a a fun atmosphere and you can do all those things. Um, We're just talking about the, 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 the meat of, the service and the and the point of what we do, but at the same time, you know, we write our, our band writes our own songs and 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 like I said, stylistically, man, they're I think they're even better than stuff I hear on like K Love or whatever. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to just style, you know, so they're they're great fun songs to listen to, but the words are straight from scripture and deep and and mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, we we have. They don't sacrifice right. certain things right. to become better or more attractive. Right. We we love. You know, we have people now even serving in decor and making our church look pleasing and warm and welcoming. And yeah, you know, we have coffee and we we do local coffee and and do stuff like that. We have a hospitality team that makes sure that we get to know people as they come through, and we do the whole follow up coffee visits. You know. All that kind of stuff that also you see in secret sensitive churches, but um, which I think the intentions are the same as to get to know people. But our goal is is to build genuine relationships for the purpose of discipleship, which is where we're going. Um, it's the end game isn't just so that they become regular attenders mm-hmm. or that our crowds are big. The end game is, hey, thanks for coming. We're glad you're here. Now our goal is to help figure out where you're at spiritually. If you're not a believer, sit down, share the gospel, you know, make sh- you know, just make sure that you understand scripture, get you plugged into discipleship, um, get you plugged into biblical community and community groups, get you, you know, like we have that methods to help people get plugged in and grow. But uh, the goal is so that they would know God, see God and, and um, grow deeper in their faith and become disciple makers so that's the other thing too is the Bible. I'm going to preach on it this week. Even like true discipleship, the way Jesus taught it, is to go out <laughs> to to be an ambassador for the King, 
to share the message of Jesus with people, to be a, a laborer in the harvest, knowing that God's the one who creates the harvest and creates the fruit, but we're to go out and sow those seeds and, and reap the harvest and, and spend time with people genuinely. That's where you hear us talk about building genuine long-term relationships with people who don't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. We really want to love them, and we have compassion because we were those people too. And I want to be their best friend, and I want to care about their life. But the biggest thing that I care about, and if I truly love them, is that they would know God, right? And so teaching people how to learn how to share the gospel through through life and through spending time with people um, and being gracious and, and kind and all those kind of things, going in like lambs, you know, um, being humble, trusting our, our true shepherd Jesus. And so we, we teach people how to do all that. We want, we want to see people spread the kingdom, spread the image of God into the lost world. But that's our method of seeing lost people come to know God is not on our Sunday services or in some sort of event where we can throw the gospel message out real quick and get people to respond to it. Right. It's we're going to go out and make disciples and we're going to equip our people to go do that thing. And we're going to trust in that method to uh-huh. see the church grow, quote unquote. Um, and the reason why we trust in that method and we work hard at teaching people that method is because that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus did. did. Yeah. And that's what he taught us to do. So everything that we do, uh, we say it like this. We're so, we're so unoriginal that in this day and time we look original, mm-hmm. meaning like teaching through the Bible, singing scripture. I mean, the whole book of Psalms was <laughs> songs, <laughs> scripture, yeah. right? Um, making disciples in the way Jesus said, like trusting that process to see, to see the the body of Christ grow through His children going out and being image bearers and sharing the the message of the gospel. Um, that's what we do. That's that's it. It's pretty simple. Yeah, you know. And so, and we've seen um, the Lord work in big ways, and and that's been awesome. And so, the pitfalls of the seeker-sensitive movement is you end up missing actually seeing the Lord work because it usually becomes about the man's work, mm-hmm. you know. And you're probably never being called into being a disciple maker, which, like we talked about last week, was that's really the platform on which you live out your Christian life. That's mm-hmm. that's why suffering is a thing. That's why we pick up our cross. Because if we just blend into the world, then, yeah, we may not see any of that suffering. But as we're living out the life that Jesus calls us to, being disciple makers, and as our church is training us and equipping us with the vision and the methods to do that, mm-hmm. that's when suffering comes. That's when, like... Okay. And so if you're in the mm-hmm. seeker-sensitive church, you never get called to that. You right. never get equipped for that. You don't get the vision for that. Because mm-hmm. how you come to know the Lord is typically how you expect others to right. come to know the Lord. And I'll just say this as we end is this isn't meant to be um, throwing stones at the seeker-sensitive movement necessarily in the way that, like, putting down other pastors. Like I said, I served at a church and the intentions was well-meaning, but like we read from the article a little bit earlier, is you think that it's going to be good and you'll switch over to the meat, but what you end up is you get stuck in always catering to the, the lost person and never really sharing the fullness of God and yeah. His glory. And but the goal of doing this is, one, to help our people see the difference or the people listening, but also... Hopefully, I mean, if other pastors are hearing this, like, you don't have to do that. 
one, it's it's not the best way. It's not the biblical way to do it. But two, you don't like if you're worried about success, that's wrong in the first place because God's the one who gives you success. But two, if you think that's the way that you're going to reach lost people, you're I I think you're deceived. Because usually you just... Well, you're not going to like the church that it creates in the long run, exactly. right, as a pastor. It's either you don't really reach the lost people you think you're going to reach, or as a pastor you look back 10 years in and just like, I hate this church. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of this. This isn't, this isn't what I thought it would come what would come about through these methods. Right. Whereas... Because um, you don't have a bunch of Christians that are growing mm-hmm. in the Word and right. loving each other, sharing each other's burdens, but you have a bunch of worldly people. Right. And I just, Unchanged. And I also just want to encourage, it's not the way that lost people are truly going to find God. Trust God with his methods. And you're going to see God move and you'll see genuine conversions, salvations, growth in people you never thought you would see it in. Lost people want to know God. Even if they don't know that they want to know God, that is what's going to change their mind, their heart, is when they truly see God for who he is. He is big enough. He is good enough. He is glorious enough to draw people to himself. You don't have to change anything. You just have to be faithful to what he says. Yeah. And take that pressure off of yourself. You know, another thing that he says in his article, kind of end with this, is all it does is lead to burnout and staffs. I know. I was one of those people that was burned out after five years of serving like that. Why is that? Because what you do is, and he says this in his article, is the term is excellence. We want to make sure everything's excellent for the glory of God. What you're really saying is, we want to make everything so nice and pristine that lost people are impressed. Mm-hmm. So now you're, as a staff, you're just constantly trying to impress people. And that's not even the, the Bible is that we're sinful, that we're broken, that we're not always good. And that the, like the, the vehicle of the church, meaning like the building and, and, the, and the lights and the music, isn't what is going to change people's hearts. Right. God is. It's okay if something goes wrong. It's okay. You know, I'm not saying don't Strive try to Strive for excellence. I'm not saying don't try to try to worship God through how you work. Definitely. But when you have this pressure of everything has to be perfect, you can't live under that. And I think that's why a lot of pastors end up burning out or even failing morally. Because stress. It's just you just lose well the focus is not on god it's on themselves and performance and all these other things you just run yourself ragged and truth be told most of those lost people you think you're impressing aren't impressed the world has a lot better things to offer trust me or they're probably like man i'll I'll never fit in here they're so perfect i can't be this perfect i I just think about like for we're here in new orleans right there's always fest before corona there's festivals there's there's concerts, there's sports. I mean, you go to a Pelicans game or a Saints game, like you're not going to, your church is not going to be more impressive than the Superdome. Mm-mm. Like, it, it's just ridiculous. Right. It brings in so much money. Yeah. Of course, so do some of these churches. So this idea of like, I'm going to, we're going to put on this service that people are going to come in and just be like blown away by people how People are entertained cool the church is. all the time. They're like professional yeah. entertainees. They do not need entertainment. Yeah. They need the truth of God's word. Right. They need a break from entertainment. Yeah. And reality is, I mean, shoot, our church grew in a warehouse that had no AC in the summer. In AC? I mean, in Louisiana. If you, it, like, that was where God really taught Sam and I that it is not about your methods. Right. Because we tried to make that building as pristine as possible, but it just was <laughs> dirty. 
It's hot. Lipstick on a pig. I mean, it was definitely putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> but we watched our church grow. Yeah. We watched genuine disciples be made, and we're just like, man, if this isn't proof that it's about God, not about the vehicle or the methods, I don't know what else is. Cause, right. Because I don't even want to be here. <laughs> yeah. It's hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, but people kept coming back week in and week out, you know? And so, yeah, you know, it, yeah, be excellent, but man, don't trust in the <laughs> methods. That's not, it's not even, it's silly. Like our, Paul says in Philippians that his best is like rubbish, like rags, like yeah. to, you know, to what God has to offer. Man, you are not as good as you think you are. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be like, take off that yoke, put it down and trust that God's good enough. <laughs> Show people God and, and they'll be changed. Yep. I was looking up that verse. I said it last week, but it's just so applicable. Psalm uh, thirty-three, seventeen, I believe. It's uh, the war horse is mm-hmm. a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. That's right. It does great things on the battlefield. But that's say, not what wins. It's not the saying battle. don't have war horses. It's right. saying that God is the one who who brings about the victory. Like be faithful, but your your horse isn't what's making it happen. Right. You know. It's absolutely true. Well, we see both ways. Well, never mind. We don't want to get into that. (laughs) Another time. Another time. Yeah, another time. We'll talk about Joshua. That's right. All right. Cool, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Change Up podcast. This podcast is made possible by the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.